This morning we're going to continue looking at the words of Jesus. You know, in, in some uh, uh, translations, the words of Jesus are written in red. And so we're about message number six, where we just look simply at what Jesus said himself about a subject. And he touched every subject that we would ever deal with. He talked about life, death and resurrection, heaven and hell, our relationships with other people. He just talked about every area of life. And today we're going to talk about what Jesus said about the sign of his coming and the end of the age. We're just going to read his words. So if you have your Bible, you'd like to turn them to Matthew chapter 24. And you find the disciples asking Jesus a powerful question. I'm so glad they asked him. In Matthew 24, verse 3, they, they say that Jesus had just talked about, he had just talked about the destruction of Jerusalem and how that the temple was going to be destroyed and not one stone was going to be left upon another. Well, this created an immense interest in the disciples. Well, you mean in Jews, uh, the temple's going to be destroyed and, and Jerusalem's going to be destroyed. And Lord, what's going on? And then they ask him this question in verse 23. Now, as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us, when will these things be? What will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? I can assure you, among saved people and lost people who have any knowledge at all of the Word of God, there's that question. Lord, how do we know when you're going to come? And how are we going to know when this age is over? And so Jesus, all throughout Matthew 24, he answers that question. He spends a whole chapter answering their question. You know, it was interesting that Jesus said that the temple that they were looking at and had just been in was going to be destroyed. And that not one stone would be left upon another. Turn over to Luke chapter 20. Matthew does not give us the answer. But in Luke chapter 20, Jesus gives us uh, the vivid description of what's going to happen to Jerusalem. Now, here's the thing. As I was studying for the ministry and preparing myself to do what God has called me to do, I kept hear, hear, hearing people say, well, now history will prove the Bible to be wrong. Just give it time, and historical events will prove that the Bible is in error and not the Word of God. You know, just the opposite is true, the absolute opposite. History, all it has done is prove that the Word of God is accurate and true. Now, so Jesus said, look, Jerusalem's going to be destroyed, and it was in 70 A.D., 70 A.D., the armies of Rome surrounded Jerusalem. Not one stone was left upon another, 
And listen to what it says in verse 20 as Jesus described it. And when you, and when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, then know its desolation is near. Then let those in Judah flee to the mountains. Let those who are in the midst of her, Jerusalem, depart. And let those who are in the country, and let not those who are in the country enter her. For these are the days of vengeance, and all things which are written will be fulfilled. But woe to those who are pregnant and to those who are nursing in those days. There will be great distress in the land and wrath upon the people. They will fall by the edge of the sword and be led away captive into all nations. And Jerusalem will be trampled by the Gentiles until the time of the Gentiles is fulfilled. Occurred, 70 A.D., exactly what Jesus said. You know, uh, the Bible talked about the fact that Israel would be gathered from the four corners of the earth back to their country. Humanly, that was impossible. The land was totally uh, populated and surrounded by Arabs. But you know the story. 1948, a, a motion was passed. I think it was by the League of Nations. I don't know who it was. That Israel had the right to that land. And in 1948, they became a nation. In the midst of hundreds of thousands of Arabs who hated them and who never wanted them to be there. And they still hate them and they're still fighting and they still don't want them to be there. But exactly what God said, they'll come from the north, south, east, and west. And they'll come back to the land that I gave to actually what they did. That is exactly where they are now. And it seems like all the world is focused on the Middle East. And it is not a coincidence that the Muslim religion hates Christians and Jews. And we are called infidels. And those who kill an infidel will have a special place and quote the Muslim heaven. So let me just say this. Whatever the Bible has spoken is happening. And it is coming true. Well, let's let Jesus answer the question. What is the sign of your coming and the end of the age? Now, I have to be very honest with you. I've never been a great student or authority on all the prophetic events surrounding the coming of Jesus. There are people that have spent their life studying it and know a whole lot more about it than I do. But I will say this. I do understand this 24th chapter now. I've read just as much as I could and prayed. And let me tell you what you've got here. In the first eight verses of Matthew 24, you have got the church still on earth, and it's a part of the church age. So let's begin reading. This is what's going to happen in the last days, listen now, before the rapture of the church. Now, there are two comings of Jesus. Are you listening? When Jesus comes in the air and the saints of God are caught in the air to meet the Lord, that is called the rapture. But then at the end of the tribulation of seven years, there's going to be the second coming of Christ where he sets up his millennial reign on earth for a thousand years. Now, in the first eight verses of Matthew 24, the church is still on earth. The rapture has not yet come. It is still the church age. So listen to what it says in 24 and following. 
it says here, it says this. He said, all right, what will be the sign of your coming and the end of your age? Verse 4 of Matthew 24. Jesus answered and said to them, take heed. These are the words of Jesus, that no one deceives you. So obviously, in the last days, before the church is caught up in the rapture, it's going to be a great time of deception. Deception all over the world. It is amazing how much the word of God warned God's people not to be deceived. And of course, it warned lost people. So obviously, deception would be rampant in the last days of the church age. Take heed that no one deceive you. Look at verse 5. For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and deceive many. So what's going to happen is many people, and there have been those who come and will come, saying that they're the Christ. But what's going to happen, the gospel gospel is going to be preached in a way that it does not present the true Christ, but presents a false Christ. Paul warned the people that in the last days there would be a preaching of another gospel. Not the gospel of the New Testament. Listen to me. Not the gospel of Christ, but there would be a preaching of another gospel. And and I've seen in my lifetime over these last years how that deception has become rampant throughout the world. And in so many places, they're preaching another Jesus. The, The Bible said if someone comes and preaches to you another Jesus other than the one that we've preached to you, let him be a curse. Let him be an anthema. And so one way we know that we're in the last days of the church age is that uh, there's deception. Much preaching in America is deception. It's not the pure gospel of Christ. If the gospel does not include uh, the virgin birth of Jesus Christ, born of a virgin, no sinful nature, does not include the fact that Jesus lived a sinless life, that he his sacrifice on the cross for sin was for every person on the earth and that he died in their place and that salvation alone is in Jesus Christ. It's not Jesus plus Mohammed or Jesus plus Buddha or Jesus plus one of the hundred of thousand of Hindu gods. It's see, if it's not that they're preaching another gospel and the bodily resurrection of Jesus from the dead and the visible bodily return of Jesus to this earth. It's so easy today that they they just preach, I'm okay, you're okay, we're all fine, you can do it, you can handle it. All it is is pure humanism that instead of the gospel, they're saying, you can make it. I got good news for you. Without Jesus, you can't make it. Now, I hope you understand that. If you don't, you'll find out real quick. Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. And so there's another gospel. And so we're in the last days of the church age because there is so much deception. False prophets, false Christ, false teaching. And I'm telling you, in my lifetime, I have never seen as much false teaching and deception as there is today. And then he goes on and says, let me tell you what else will be characteristic of the last days of the church age. 
Look, look in verse 6. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you be not troubled. Don't let that bother you. Now listen to what he says. For, the, for these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. So we're living in the last days of the church age. There's great deception everywhere. May God give you a spiritual antenna and discernment that you'll know when something's a lie and not the gospel of Jesus Christ. But at the same time, he said, look, that's going to be wars and rumors of wars. Now, you know, um, it's interesting, he said, don't be troubled because the end is not yet. In one world, one world War I, people were saying, this is the final war. Jesus is coming back. Wasn't true. In World War II, with Hitler's rise, and he was the Antichrist, they were saying, this is the war of all wars, and this is the end of the age. But it was not true. Even tonight, all over this world, even this morning, all over this world, there are wars and rumors of wars. But we're just fighting a different kind of war now. It's called terrorism. But he said, listen, that's going to be a part of the last days of the church age. And when you see deception and when you see wars and rumors of war, just know one thing. This is a sign of the end of the church age. And then he goes on and says, there shall be, it says in verse uh, uh, six, you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you not be troubled for all these things must come to pass and the end is not yet. Then verse seven, nation shall rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, and that's happening. Now here it is. And famines and pestilences and earthquakes shall be in various places. Okay. There's never been more famine in the world than there is now. Three-fourths of the world goes to bed at night with an empty stomach. Most people live their day trying to secure enough food to live another day. Thank God for all the agencies and ministries that are reaching out to the poor. It would be unbelievable if it were not for the food that is sent from, from America and other countries to these countries and that are because of drought and many other reasons. But I'm telling you, famine is everywhere. Hey, by the way, you know, it's famine in America. I, I think 28 to 30%, uh, many, many people in America go to bed hungry every night. You say, that can't be. There's grocery stores on every corner. What if you ain't got any money to buy groceries with? And so I'm telling you, there's famine. And it's everywhere. And that's a sign of the end of the church age. And then there'll be pestilences. Well, HIV, Ebola, Marsha, which is a new kind of viral infection that, that is hard to cure. And, and more and more uh, pestilences that we don't have a cure for. Bird flu and all that stuff and Thank God I've never seen a bird with the flu. But anyway, all that stuff. See, this is about what the world is going to be like at the end of the age. Deception, wars, famine, pestilences, and uh, all kinds of famine and pestilences and, and earthquakes in various places. So this, this is the day we're living in. So I, I would, I would, it, it would occur to me 
with the increased amount of famine and pestilences and earthquakes and with the increased number of wars, that all of these are coming together and, 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 and they're converging. And I think it's a sign that we're close to the end of the church age. And that's, that ends right there in verse 8. Look at what he says. All these things, wars, rumors of wars, deception, famine, pestilence, earthquakes, all these are the beginning of sorrows. And in the Greek language that says all of these are birth pangs, which means that the tribulation is about to begin, that we're moving out. The church is going to be raptured into heaven, called into heaven, and then the seven-year period of great tribulation is going to begin on the earth. And so now, from verse 9 on, you know what you're looking at? You're looking at seven years of tribulation on the earth. Now, the disciples asked Jesus, what is the sign of your coming and the end of the age? Well, the first thing he did was to describe the church age. And at the end of the church age, it's not really the second coming of Christ. It is when Jesus comes in the air and raptures the church. And the church is caught out of civilization. And the Spirit of God uh, really is grieved all over the land. And uh, so now we move into just a seven-year period at the end of which Jesus will come back and set up his millennial kingdom on earth. So let's see what the tribulation is going to be like. Look in verse 9. They will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you, and you will be hated of all nations for my name's sake. So we know that the tribulation is a time of, of, of those that were left behind there will be those who get converted during the tribulation. You say, how do you know that, Brother Fred? There are going to be 144,000 Jews who are converted, who become evangelists, and, who, and there will be people saved during the tribulation. There's no question about it. But it says here that Christians or Christianity or anything that had to do with Jesus or the gospel, it says that it says. They will deliver you up to tribulation. They will kill you, and you'll be hated of all nations for my name's sake. All right, verse 10. So not only is it going to be general persecution, then families are going to turn against families and betray each other. Look what it says. Then many will be offended and will betray one another. This is during that seven-year period. Many will be offended and hate one another. All right, look at verse 11. This is when... Three significant deceivers are going to come on the scene. It says in verse 11, then many false prophets will arise during this seven-year period and will deceive many. So there's going to be the false prophet, there's going to be the antichrist, and there's going to be the beast. And, and they're all people, and they're going to deceive multitudes. And you know the Bible says that if a person not, would not receive the mark of the beast, which is 666, they would not be able to buy or not be able to sell. And so all of this is occurring during the seven-year period. Th the first three and a half years are tribulation. The last three and a half years are called the great tribulation. Now, 
If you really want to know all that's going to happen in those seven years, go to the book of Revelation. Start reading in, in the, when the scrolls are open. And the, the, the scrolls are open. Jesus opens the scrolls. And it reveals what's going to happen. And then there's the black horse, which is death, and the white horse, which is famine, or all these things. So if you really want to know how awful the tribulation is going to be, you have to go to Revelation. And by the way, in Revelation from about chapter 4 all the way to chapter 18, it's all about the seven-year period of tribulation. That's how much time is devoted to what is going to happen during those horrendous days on the earth. You say, now, Brother Fred, is it just wishful thinking that the church will be raptured at the end of the church age? Is it just us hoping that we won't have to go through the hell on earth? No, let me tell you why. The Bible makes it clear that Jesus saved us from the wrath to come. In the, last, in the first chapter of 1 Thessalonians, the last verse, I think it is, or next to the last verse, it's talked about Jesus who saves us from the wrath to come. And again in Thessalonians, it says that again. Listen, the Bible, the return of Christ, is called the blessed hope. Looking for that blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Well, I don't think it'd be too great of a hope if I knew that I was going to go through three, seven years of tribulation when most of the population of the earth is going to be destroyed and most of it's going, a third of it's going to be burned by fire. And, and, and if you don't take the mark, no, uh, that, that, uh, you, the, the second coming of Christ would not be a blessed hope if we were all going to go through, which is really a period of hell on earth during that tribulation period. And so to get a detailed understanding of those seven years, you have to study Revelation. But it goes on and talks about this here. Verse 10, many will be offended and betray one another and hate one another. Then many false prophets will arise, the beast, the antichrist, and a false prophet, and deceive many. Now get this. And because lawlessness, this, the, the, the world at that time will be absolutely lawless. No restraint upon the people. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will wax cold. But those who endure to the end shall be saved. In other words, those who get saved, those who don't take, take the mark of the beast, and those who die because of their faith, martyrs during that time. And it says those who endure to the end shall be saved. And in verse 14, it says, and the gospel of the kingdom... Now, the gospel of the kingdom was preached first to the Jews. And so this is basically talking about that all the Jews that are remaining during the tribulation, because they're not going up in the rapture, it says the gospel will be, of the kingdom will be preached to all the nations as a witness to the nations, and then the end will come. All right. That's the first three years of the tribulation, first three and a half years. Now, look at verse uh, 14, verse 15. Then you get to the last three and a half years. But before we start at verse 15, go down to verse 21 and read this. Now, I'm talking about those seven years. In verse 21, for then there shall be great tribulation, 
such as not been since the beginning of the world on this t- until this time, no, nor ever shall be. Now, let me read that again. For then there shall be great tribulation, such as not been since the beginning of the world until this time, no, ever, nor ever shall be. Now, listen to this. This is how bad it's going to be. Unless those days were shortened, no flesh would be saved. Nobody would survive the last three and a half years unless it was just three and a half years. Unless those days were shortened, no flesh would be saved. But for the elect's sake, those who are going to respond to the gospel and receive Jesus Christ, those days will be shortened. Okay. So we know it's going to be the last three and a half years, much worse than the first. But go back now to verse 15. This was prophesied in the book of Daniel. It says here, Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken by Daniel the prophet standing in the holy place, whoever reads, let, this, let him understand. This is what's going to happen. The abomination of desolation is the Antichrist. And the Antichrist is going to rise up and he is going to be betrayed as a friend of Israel. In fact, he's going to sign a peace treaty with Israel. And the Israelites are going to be deceived and think that he is the deliverer. And he's going to be the one that, quote, is the hero of the Israeli nation. But... Once he signs the treaty, once he gains favor with the Jews, guess what he does? He goes into the temple and he desecrates it. He desecrates it. it he, it's, a, it's, it's an abomination what he does uh, in the temple. And from that on, boy, I mean, the, 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 there's a, just a massacre and it, it, it becomes worse and worse because the Antichrist has gone into the temple of God and has absolutely desecrated it and put away with the sacrifices and all that they were offering then. And, uh, and so this is, hey, it's, it's, it's winding down real quick, real quick. It says, when the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel stands in the holy place, whoever reads, let him understand. Now, it says when this happens, it's going to be so bad. Look at what it tells them to do. That those who are in Judea, when you see the Antichrist reigning, let him flee to the mountains. Let him who is in his housetop no, not go down to take anything out of his house. And let him who is in the field not go back to get his clothes. But woe to those who are pregnant and are nursing during those days. The abomination has declared who he is, the enemy of God, desecrated the temple. I mean, it's mass... Uh, murder. And he said, man, you better get out of there. You better get away from Jerusalem. And it says, but woe to those who are pregnant in those days and are nursing babies in those days. Now this was written to the Jews that were alive during uh, the tribulation. You you know why I know? Look down in verse uh, 20. If this was was written to Christians, it wouldn't be written in the, the last part of that would be in there. Pray that your flight may not be in winter or on the Sabbath day. So he says, listen, you just, you know, the Jews weren't supposed to do anything. 
not supposed to go over a mile from their house on the Sabbath day. And so he said, let me, let me tell you this. You had to better pray that when the abomination of desolation declares himself in the temple, that it will not be winter and it will not be on the Sabbath day. So they're told to flee. And it says in verse 21, for there shall be great tribulation, such has not been seen since the beginning of the world, nor will that shall ever be again. Okay. Then he says there are going to be people because we're getting close to the second coming of Christ and his return to set up the millennial kingdom. It says in verse 23, then if anyone says to you, look, here is the Christ, or there, here, here's the Christ, or there, do not believe it. It's almost over now. They say, well, here's the Christ. He said, don't believe it. For false Christ and false prophets will rise this last time, the last few days, uh, short period, show great signs and wonders. They're going to perform miracles. And the people are going to say, look. Look at that miracle. He raised the dead. Look at that miracle. He healed the sick. It says, many false Christs and false prophets will arise, show great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, the elect. See, now just as Jesus telling them, I've told you beforehand. All right, then he goes on. He says, now Jesus is fixing to come. This is the end of the tribulation. And let me tell you how Jesus is going to come. Look at verse uh, 27. For as the lightning comes from the east and flashes to the west, so also will be the coming of the Son of Man. Hey, you remember that song they used to sing, Keep Your Eyes Upon the Eastern Sky? Look up, your redemption draws nigh. Jesus said here, he, would, he says the Son of Man will come from, as lightning comes from the east and flashes to the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. Then he talks about that the end of the great tribulation and the great battle of Armageddon, there are going to be bodies piled up. And you remember it talks about in Revelation that there will be vultures that gathers where the bodies are. Look at what he says in verse 28. For wherever the carcass is, there the, will, the eagles will be gathered together. Now, so the tribulation is coming to an end. And look at verse 29. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give its light, the stars will fall from the heaven, and the powers of the heaven will be shaken. That's, the, that's the it. And then Jesus is coming back, verse 30, to set up his kingdom. Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven. And guess what's happening? Everybody's going to see him. In the rapture, when he came from the church, the only people that knew were the people that were saved. In a, in a moment, they're, they're caught up. All the rest of the world didn't see it. They'll just wonder where everybody went. And then it says here, uh, then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven, and all the tribes of the earth will mourn. When they see the Son of Man, everybody's going to see him, coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. He's coming to set up the millennial kingdom, the reign of Jesus on earth for a thousand years. The tribes of the earth are going to see it. They're going to mourn. 
And look what he's going to do. He's going to send out the angels to go get the Jews that have been saved during the tribulation. Look what he says. And he will send his angels with a great trumpet. He will send his angels, verse 31, with a great sound of trumpet, and they will gather together his elect from the four winds from the four winds and from one end of heaven to the other. And see, this is when, see, we don't see Jesus saying about angels coming for the saved people. The Lord himself shall descend from heaven and with a shout, and the dead in Christ shall rise first, then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up in the clouds to meet the air. But here the angels are going to receive people from all over the four winds of the earth, uh, those Jews that have been saved who did not take the mark of the beast during the great tribulation. And he will send his angels with a great sound of trumpet and will gather together his elect from the four winds and one end of heaven to another. And he said, now, let me just tell you, when you see all this in the church age, and then when this starts happening in the tribulation, he said, all right, verse 32. Now learn this parable from the fig tree. When his branch has already become tender, and puts forth leaves, you know that summer is near. So you also, when you see all these things, know that it is near at the doors. Assuredly, I say to you, this generation, he was talking to the disciples, will by no means pass away until all these things take place. And, and, and he was talking about verses 1 through 8 in the church age. Now, Okay, so that's basically what, I'm just telling you my understanding of what Jesus said when they said, what is the sign of your coming and the end of the age? And he talked about the church age ending in in verse 8 and the tribulation beginning in verse 9 and it coming to the end uh, uh, in verse 32 or 33. Look at verse 35. Heaven and earth will pass away. But my, but my words will in by no means pass away. But the day and the hour no one knows, even the angels of heaven, but my Father also. Okay. In the rest of that passage, there are two things that Jesus says. He gives uh, kind of in a parable. And I just want to show you the verse. First of all, he says, I want you to watch. I want you to watch. And I want you to be ready. Look down in verse 42 of Matthew 24, same chapter. Jesus is still talking. Watch therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. He said, now you watch. Understand the signs of the time, but you watch. Because you don't know when it's going, exactly when it's going to happen. And then he goes on down in verse 44. He tells us not only to watch, but he tells us to be ready. He said, now you be ready. It says in verse 44, therefore you also be ready for the son of man is coming at an hour you do not expect. So he tells us first of all to watch and be ready. But now here's the last thing. He says, until I come back, be faithful. Be faithful in loving me, faithful in obeying me, faithful in serving me, 
faithful in your life doing what I have called you to do. He said, now until I come, I want you to be watching and be ready, but I want you to be faithful. Look at verse 45. These are all the words of Jesus. Who then is a faithful and wise servant when his master, whom his master made ruler over his household to give them food in due season? Blessed is that servant when his master comes, when when his master, when he comes, will find so doing. He says, God gave you your wise servant. He gave you a task to do. Blessed, you're going to be blessed when the master comes and finds you doing what God has told you to do. Now, I want you to read, just read and just uh, study this. There's one other thing that I'm not going to go into. Verse 37 through 44, the days of Noah, that is a picture of the judgment that God, that is going to come on those who were unsaved during the tribulation. It says in the days of Noah, they'll just be going on with their life. But that's a picture there of how God's going to judge those who are going into the millennium who were not saved and not ready for his return.